Good morning, Christ Central. Man, um, my name is Chris Cooper. Um, as Dan said, I'm the RUF campus minister at North Carolina University. Any eagles in the house? Okay, there we go. Yeah, go eagles, right? Um, and I'm glad uh, to be bringing the word today, and I'm so excited that you came here to Christ Central to worship with us this morning. So let us get to our word. Um, I'll be coming from Judges 14th chapter, 8th through the 9th verse, um, and then I'll be flipping over to Judges 16th chapter, 23rd through the 30th verse. Now, we usually have it up there, but you don't need that, right? You got your phones, you got your things, you got your Bibles. And I always say, when I'm at home, I don't use that anyway. So, starting from Judges 14, 8th through the 9th verse. After some days, he returned to take her, and he is Samson. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. Chapter 16, starting at the 23rd verse, it reads, now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravenger of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison. And he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me fill the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistine. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were with it. So the dead whom he killed at this death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. We all know the scripture tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out the mouth of God. And we believe this is the very word of God. Let us pray. Father God, I'm just grateful, grateful for allowing us to come in a place to worship your holy name. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do the work that you are designed to do. Man, lead us and guide us into all truth when we're walking off the beating path. Be a light and a lamp unto our pathway, Father God, unto our feet as darkness surrounds us 
and we just need you to be a God. Father God, soften our hearts. Allow the word, which is a seed in our hearts, to be firmly rooted so that we may be a tree for your glory and your glory alone. And please put Chris Cooper behind the cross and allow your glory to show forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before we get to chapter 14 and deal with the 8th through the 9th verse, I just want to give you a little background on what is happening at this very moment with God's chosen people, Israel. At this very moment, we learn through Dan that God's chosen people had assimilated into the culture of the Philistines. We've learned that they no longer complain. They, they haven't called out to God. Matter of fact, it seems like they are absolutely satisfied with going along with the way things are at this given moment. Even though they are currently in bondage, even though they are ruled by the Philistines, it seems like Israel just said, okay, God, I'm satisfied with this. But while this is going on, while God's people have kind of settled into their bondage, settled into the fact that they are overcome by the Philistines, God is working something out. We learn in the 13th chapter that God goes to a particular couple, a married couple, and he tells them that they are going to birth a deliverer, a new judge. And he tells them that this new delivery, this new deliverer, this new judge uh, will have to abide by a Nazarite vow. He can't have his hair cut. He's not supposed to touch or eat dead things. And he can't drink strong wine. Stay away from the grapes in the vineyard. So through this time, they prepare themselves. And we come to learn that this man will become Samson. So Samson grew up. This whole time knowing the way of the Lord by his parents, being taught, hey, man, make sure you take these vows seriously. Be governed by these vows. Be governed by the way of the Lord. And please follow them so that he can show himself through you. But as we get to the 14th chapter, we start realizing something about Samson. As the chapter begins, we we realize that Samson seems to be attracted of those very things that God told him not to be attracted to. He he wants a Philistine woman to be his wife, and his parents said, hey, man, that's against God's will. You should find somebody within your own covenant people. And he goes and says, no, I want somebody in my own eyes. I'm more important than that. And then as he's walking there, we come to a pivotal point, which I think explains Samson in, in his whole self, he, he, we get to the sixth verse and a lion comes up against him along the way. And at that very moment, the spirit of God comes upon him and he rips the lion in half and, and he defeats the lion. And, and man, we're like, Samson is so great. But we learn after talking to the woman that he eventually wants to go and marry who is not of God's covenant people that he later comes back to get him. And as you read in the eighth verse, he goes back to the dead carcass of the lion, sees that some bees have produced some honey. He, 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 he goes in the carcass and he's not supposed to be around dead places, takes the honey, eats it. And not only does he eat it, he has the nerve to share it with his parents. So if you're going to be wrong, I'm just going to be all the way wrong. 
shares it with his parents, and then the scripture tells us he did not tell them where it came from. At this very moment, we learn that Samson has some character flaws. At this very moment, we learn that Samson is an individual who's definitely indebted in his own glory, in his own way of seeing things. He's worried about what he wants, how he can get it, and he really can care less about the commands of God that governs his life. He, He is willing to go to dead places, get the good from it, and share it with others, mocking God instead of staying away from it and honoring God. See, Samson was a man of riddles. He he was a man who always liked to joke around. And and he was a man who, when great feats happened, he always liked to tell people about it so that it can show that he was great. And, and, And what is amazing here is that since he liked Riddle, the biggest joke in the narrative of Samson was actually his lifestyle towards God. He was the joke. He, he couldn't abide by his ways. He, he always wanted to mock God. Oh, I love you, God. But guess what? You're not that important by the way that I act, by the way that I lived. I don't know about you, but I can relate to Samson as a human being. I, I have those moments of weakness. I, I have those moments where, where I question, man, God, why can't I get through this? Why am I struggling with seeing your point of view? Why am I struggling with following your will for my life? Why am I struggling to follow your ways? It's amazing. We follow a man who tells us in St. John, the Gospel of John 1450, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And one thing we firmly believe is that the word of God is inerrant, there's no errors there, and that it's sufficient for all of our needs in regards to this life. But yet, many of us have a tendency, especially myself, to flip pages of the book and see other verses more important than others. Many of us have a tendency to be blind to the fact that we might not see the world in the same way as God. Many of us have the tendency not to love our neighbors as we should. Many of us have a tendency to treat our wives or husbands bad or in the workplace not look like Jesus Christ. So we can relate to Samson that it seems like the things that God doesn't want us to have, we are attracted to. And our heart is geared towards it. And we fall in our weaknesses. What is amazing about this is that while Samson is just going downhill, it's just going. We learn in the scripture that there are plenty of times that Samson is empowered with the move of the spirit of the Lord. That in his weakness, God is gracious enough to follow his will, to follow what he said will happen, that Samson will be the chosen one to deliver her. And he's the one that moves upon his life and creates something out of nothing on Samson's behalf, even though his life doesn't deserve it. 
<laughs> that, that should let us know that God doesn't necessarily need us. God doesn't necessarily say, oh, because you're weak, that I'm not going to show forth my glory because my spirit would move even when you're weak. My spirit will move even when you're struggling and wrestling with things because I get the glory and not you. Because I get the glory and not you. We see this as he rips the lion apart. We see this in chapter 15 as he, as he fights the enemies of the Philistines in, in 15. It seems every time the spirit of the Lord comes upon him to strengthen him, to give him the victory. I can relate to this and so can you. How many times have our life not aligned up, but it seems like the spirit of the Lord created something that we didn't deserve? How many times have he fixed our marriages? How many times has he reconciled relationships that we have broken? Even though we are saved, it was because of him, his salvation and our brokenness towards him. He made something out of nothing with us. Not for our glory. Because we can't do it. But it's for his glory. And by his spirit, he will move. So now you see the tension, right? In the narrative of Samson, his heart seems to always falter. He seems to think his relationship is a joke before God, that he's not going to live the way that he grew up to be, that, you know, he's been hearing about since he was young. But yet he still notices that the spirit of the Lord um, comes on his behalf and strengthens him to always be victorious. And as we transition into the 16th chapter, we see where <laughs> the joke has caught up to Samson. We, we see in the 16th chapter of Judges where now Samson is defeated. We see that the Philistines have actually captured him. And then we learn in the 23rd verse that guess what? To the Philistines, it wasn't about who Samson was. It was about their God being victorious over the God of Israel. See, in that 23rd verse, it, it tells us, man, it says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice, dagging their God and to rejoice. They said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. This Samson don't even realize that it's not a battle for his glory. It's a battle between the God of the covenant that we serve and their God. So they're celebrating. They're high-fiving each other. They're getting married. You know, we've been there. You're getting married, right? Making a mockery of him, right? He's sitting there, eyes gouged out. They bring him out and say, hey, man, entertain us. They got him on the pillars. He's chained up. He's bogged down, Right? There comes a time in our walk, if our lifestyle is not aligning with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit must convict us. And at this very moment, Samson is at his conviction points. We learn in the scripture in John 16, 8, it says, when he comes, which is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So at this very moment, 
Samson is dealing with that. And what's amazing is now the joke is on him. (laughs) At first, going through it, the joke is on God because I keep being victorious. But right now, at this moment, we realize the way he's been living, the joke is on him. And the conviction of the Spirit happens in his life. But wait, what happens? You would think that Samson would himself and say, Father, I need you. Father, I I know I messed up, but I just need you to come in my life and fix my brokenness. But that is not what he does. In Judges 16, 28, he says, then Samson called to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, God, please remember me. So he does have a sense of humility. Hey, God, remember me because keep doing what you do. Right. And then he says, Remember me and strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may avenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He didn't want to be victorious for God's glory. He wanted to be victorious to avenge them for what they did to his eyes. He wanted to be victorious so that Samson can be the big Samson, the the strong Samson, the one who would get the self-glory. And at this very moment, man, it's crazy because now he represents Israel. As I told you in the beginning, Israel is no longer complaining. They're satisfied with the way of living. It amazes me that the Philistines are throwing a party, talking about how their God has over Samson, who represents Israel, who has fought them and been victorious many of times. And none of the Israelites show up and say, let's go get our boy. Let, let, let's go get him. Oh, how far away their hearts were. They, they probably were like, Samson, that's what you get. And he represents them. He, at this very direct moment, not only represents his arrogance and pride, but he represents the arrogance and pride of God's covenant people. Ask yourself, When the Spirit comes to convict you on things that you were just blind to, maybe your eyes didn't see, are you arrogant and prideful where you just throw it to the side? Or do you actually humble yourself and wrestle with that thing and let the love of God flood your heart? (laughs) Or are you like Samson where I just want it for my own self-glory? Or... Or are you just humbling yourself and saying, Father, I need you just a little bit more at this very moment? Which one are we? Where do we fall? So what's amazing about God in this moment is he hears Samson. Uh, I know that he hears this morning, noon and night. He has to. And when he hears Samson, Samson says, I just want to die with the Philistines. Samson bows his head and he's strengthened. And we know he can't do this marvelous feat unless it was for the spirit of God. It's written throughout the narrative of Judges. If the spirit ain't there, Samson's struggling. And and, and he takes the two pillars and he collapses it on the Philistines and and over 3,000 men and women and the lords and all those particular things. And what happens is the celebration that once celebrated the great Dagon, the the God who defeated Samson, has now been overcome by the great and awesome God we know. 
<laughs> the God of all gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And God had gotten the glory. But in this moment, we realize that Samson dies along with the rest of the Philistines. Hey, maybe you can relate to Samson. Maybe you're going through that self-struggle. What I want you to know that there is an individual who did die for us, but he didn't die with the Philistines. What I want you to know that there is an individual, amen, who, who said, not my will, but my father's will only, who humbled himself under the will of God and, and he lived according to his plan. There is a man named Jesus who we recognize in Hebrews 4.15 who says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He, he lived this thing. He humbled himself under the will of the Father. Amen. We know a man named Jesus who bore the sins on his body on a tree and, and through his righteousness we are made righteous. And we know a man while dying on the tree who said it is finished. And, and he not only died but he rose again on the third day and he didn't just conquer some 3,000 Philistines but he conquered sin in itself and said, no longer will it have dominion over the elect, those who was in relationship with me. He reconciled us back to him. He brought us back. He redeemed us just for our Samson moments, just for our Samson's lifestyle. And through his precious grace, he strengthens us in our weakness. And by his spirit, he continually works on us until we get to that point of our blessed hope where it says we see ourselves for who we are and we see him for who he is and we get to be with him. So maybe if you're in that moment of Samson, where you feel shamed, you feel low, you feel like, man, I just don't live up. Man, man, I want to know you more, but it just seems like I make a mockery of you, Father. Know that his spirit is still working things out, that he's still creating something out of nothing. And for those moments of processing, when the spirit comes to convict you, there is an individual you can go to who with loving arms, who will hug you and say, I am here, I'm with you, and I'm merciful, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, just thank you. Thank you for your word, Father. Father, we're great, grateful that you, your mercy endure forever, Father God. Father God, we're asking you that in our time of great weakness, in our time of falter, in, in our time of just being unworthy, Father God, that you consistently come in, in breaking us, Father God. You, you bring us, our hearts back together to love you more, to just get back up and say, I'm your child. You have adopted me. You, you're leading me upon the way. Let your spirit reside over our hearts and continue to make us into what you want to make us and not what we believe to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.